Welcome to the Decipher Podcast. My name is Dennis Fisher. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Decipher. I'm here with my colleague, Lindsay O'Donnell-Welch. We're recording this the day before Thanksgiving, and we thought it would be fun this year to do a little um, a little recording of what we're thankful for, maybe as well as some things we're not thankful for in the security world. Um, I think there's plenty of stuff not to be thankful for in the security world. Know. Lindsay, I know. <laughs> we're writing about that a lot, too. <laughs> Pretty much. That's our day-to-day lives. So, you know, we do tend to, in the security industry, kind of focus on the negative just by default. I think that's kind of how this game works. Um, It's most of the time when news happens, it's because something went wrong, like something broke or somebody broke something or or maybe both. Um, (laughs) So, you know, we always try to find the positive in things. So we thought we'd uh, do a little back and forth on what we're thankful for um, in the security world. Um, keep it short, keep it light, give you guys something to listen to while you're trying to avoid your families this weekend, um, (laughs) like the rest of us. So hopefully no one's asking you to set up like, you know, accounts or fix their, Oh God. Yes. Right. Yeah. If you, if you're you're about to spend the next four days, like setting up two FA apps for your, for your family or like, uh, password managers. I'm really sorry for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what it's a good thing wants. though. We're being thankful. So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We're going to try and keep it positive. Um, all right. So Lindsay, why don't you start us off? Let me, let me hear one of the things you're thankful for. Yeah, I am thankful for just, and we write about this a lot too, but more people collaborating and more people coming together, um, around the cybersecurity industry. Um, you know, we've seen it, a, a, you know, a lot across different, law enforcement operations with Europol, with the recent Ragnar Locker takedown, things like that. Yep. Um, just all of these different um, private companies that are making their data available, as well as um, different agencies working together across the world to kind of, uh, you know, find different cyber criminals. And, um, you know, these takedown efforts take a lot of that partnership. So I think that was one that stuck out to me. Um, And then not just on the law enforcement agency level, but then also like, I feel like companies and their security teams too, um, you know, this isn't happening all the time, but um, to a place where I'm happy with it. But I would (laughs) say that there's more of a recognition about security from um, higher up in the chain at the executive level that um, kind of why it's so important. And there's a little bit more collaboration in terms of that understanding around security, but then also like what it means for business risk. So um, that's something I'm thankful for this year. There's definitely a little bit more collaboration between different parties that don't always agree or go. Yeah. It's funny because I I feel like for my entire career, and I'm sure for your entire career, we've been hearing about the need for more collaboration and public-private partnerships and all that kind of stuff, like through, you know, dozens of iterations of these things. But I do feel like in the last few years specifically, that's really actually become a tangible thing that's happening. And it's no longer just like a one way street of, you know, say the federal government saying, hey, we really need your help. We need your data. We need you to report things to us. And then we're not going to tell you anything in return, you know, which is kind of how it used to be. But it doesn't seem to be that way anymore in a lot of respects. 
Um, I think a lot of CISA probably deserves a lot of credit for that um, in sort of centralizing and, and working with the private sector um, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, when you look at any sort of um, document or release or um, operation press release or whatever, if you look at just all the different agencies that are involved, yeah. it's really telling. And I mean, you, you've been doing this obviously a lot longer than me, so I'm sure you've kind of seen it evolve over time, but yeah. just where it's come from is, is very different. So it very much so. Um, so, okay. So along those same lines, I mean, I, I think for me, one of the things that I'm thankful for is kind of the group effort behind the anti-ransomware, uh, I guess, collaboration, whatever you want to call it. You know, there's the ransomware task force. There's all the um, operations that Department of Justice has run over the last, I'd say really in the last like 18 months or so. Um, a lot of that is also involved um, international law enforcement agencies, as you mentioned, like Europol and Interpol and um, law enforcement in Ukraine and France and the UK and other places, um, right. really targeting not just the ransomware operators themselves, but also the payment ecosystem, which I think was really the hard nut for a lot of these agencies to crack just because of, you know, it was all cryptocurrency, right? you know, in a lot of ways that those were, it was difficult to really track down the people behind those. In a lot of cases, they knew who the ransomware operators were and where they were. They couldn't really get to them. So it was the best way to sort of mess with them was to go after the payment, which is, you know, the money. You go after the money, people get mad and they have they start making mistakes. And I think a lot of the private um, efforts behind that from security researchers, you know, all over the world who a lot of times their names don't show up in stories. It's, you know the attorney general and, you know, other people like that, that sort of get the public recognition, but there are a lot of people working behind the scenes on these things too. Mm -hmm. um, if, if anybody out there has read Andy Greenberg's book, Tracers in the Dark, that came out a few months ago, that's on this topic, you'll see exactly how much work goes into these, these things and how difficult it is and kind of the ingenious way that they're tracking these people. But um, that just kind of stuck out to me as one of the things that, you know, even like three or four years ago, we just wouldn't have seen. Right. Yeah. And you make a good point that just all these people behind the scenes are are doing this. I mean, we have like, I feel like in our industry, we have like some of the staples that are very public facing, like Jenny Strilly's and, you know, yeah. whatnot. But then I feel like all the people doing the work behind the scenes here, um, you know, are, are really kind of making a lot of efforts um, in this kind of big battle against ransomware. Um, and one other really interesting thing too, about kind of what um, some of these people are doing, like for instance, um, IST's ransomware task force, mm -hmm. um, you know, in addition to kind of the um, targeting, like the payment side of things are also like doing a lot around um, kind of cyber incident reporting and trying to collect more data and make kind of destigmatize how these incidents play out and what it means for the victim companies. Um, right. So I think it's, it's obviously focusing a lot on ransomware, but then even beyond that, just how cybersecurity incidents are being perceived at the broader level too. Um, I think they're doing a lot of really good work there. Yeah, that's a great point because even just a few years ago, Anybody that got hit by a ransomware attack, they were, you know, almost publicly shamed by default. Like it was, you know, 
what did you do wrong? Why are you so bad at this? Like, you know, it, it was all that kind of stuff, which is, is so counterproductive and, you know, um, but just this week I, we saw there was an advisory from CISA about the latest iteration of Lockbit ransomware and it publicly, you know, thanks Boeing, which was a victim of Lockbit for sharing IOCs and, and some TTPs with CISA for this advisory, which is not something you would have, I mean, a huge company like Boeing, which, you know, it had been publicly reported that they had been hit by this, but you don't typically ever see a victim like that being like, yep, we got got, here's how, here's what we saw. Like that, that's new. Yeah, right, exactly. And I've seen that a couple times over the past year where, um, you know, government agencies or the US government has said, hey, this victim came forward to us, they mm -hmm. told us, uh, you know, what had happened. And because of that, we were able to recover um, this much from cyber criminals, um, you know, and, and kind of unveil like what had happened to other victims as well. So um, hopefully yeah. that's a trend that continues going forward. Yeah, I like it. All right. What else is on your list? Um, so, I, you know, kind of in the same vein of like the the people, you know, behind the scenes here, I feel like what sticks out to me is the people that are kind of making it easier to understand the vulnerabilities that are being exploited and trying to help companies and security teams better understand uh, what patches need to be prioritized and what mm. flaws are being exploited. And we've seen that a lot like across the industry with like, you know, Gray Noise or the Shadow Server Foundation, but then also yeah. um, CISA is doing a really good job with their um, known exploited vulnerability catalog too, trying to, you know, I think there's an overall like feeling of, look, we realize now that a lot of vulnerabilities <laughs> are out there yeah. and in, in everyone's environment and uh, everything needs to be patched. But like, here are the ones that are being exploited. Here's the ones that cyber criminals are looking at. And even down to the level of here's the ones that ransomware actors are looking at. Um, that's what, you know, CISA did for their, um, their Kev catalog recently too, is to point that out. So I think, I think that is making a, a, you know, a pretty good difference. I think hopefully with companies that can help, um, you know, use that to really help their own patch management and better prioritize what needs to be looked at there. That was, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I, the inclusion of that field in the, the CISACAV catalog that says, we know that ransomware actors are exploiting this bug, I think is an important step. Um, and also like, like you, man, you mentioned, prioritization is such a big deal when you look at, you know, even just a, say, an SMB with a few hundred employees, their network is going to be pretty complex. Uh, and trying to figure out what you need to patch now, like Patch Tuesday last week, like, you know, you have Adobe, you have Microsoft, you have, you know, who knows how many other companies releasing patches every month. How do you know what to get to? You can't, there's no way you can get to all of it. You just can't. Mm -hmm. So how do you know what to put at the top of the list and what can maybe wait a couple of weeks? So yeah, those kind of things I think are really important. And, you know, the work that some of the security researchers like Maddie Stone at Google mm -hmm. do putting out these root cause analyses of, you know, O-days that have been found in the wild, found in the wild, excuse me. A lot of that is like several miles over my head, but they put out very de detailed explanations of where these problems are in the software and what caused them and, you know, where 
there might be a similar problem. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is great. More information is good. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's so true. Like, I feel like that is um, just, I, I feel like that's a, that's a good point. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For me, another thing I'm thankful for is the folks at Citizen Lab and sort of the affiliated ecosystem around them of researchers that undertake this really sort of complex and in some cases risky research on not just ODAs, but the way that mercenary spyware companies are develop- developing them and deploying them against in a lot of cases, civil society uh, targets, diplomats, journalists, a lot of people in at-risk populations around the world who don't have the resources to understand what's happening to them or or even discover what's happened to them or defend themselves. Um, and, you know, without that kind of research, there'd be a lot of a lot more harm going on with what these mercenary spyware companies do in the way that they sell their products to you know, in a lot of cases, all comers. Um, and the work that the folks at Citizen Lab and the, the people that work with them do, I think is really, really important. And it's, I think it's stood out to me in, for several years now in the way that they're helping to create sort of this awareness of what's going on and how these, these populations are being targeted. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, you'd to work at Citizen Lab, you need like a good awareness of cybersecurity, but then you also need an awareness and under, deep understanding of public policy. Yeah. Um, and you need you need the ability to work with trusted sources who are extremely vulnerable and who are um, you know actively being targeted essentially yeah. by by governments and very powerful people. And you also need the realization that you're up against these extremely powerful <laughs> organizations. So um, it's it's a very unique type of work, I would say. And um, it's a little bit scary to be doing what they're doing. So um, I, I definitely would um, agree that that is something to be thankful for is those types of people doing that work. Yeah, because it's it's in a lot of cases it's thankless and you know some of those researchers themselves get targeted in return for the work that they're doing and as you said they're going up against essentially the most powerful threat groups in the world you know with huge amounts of money and in a lot of cases like some of the most you know talented and in unfortunately smart people working on their side so you know it's it's a tough job they're doing and i'm just thankful somebody is out there doing it yeah, yeah. I, I mean, um, kind of on that vein, too, I feel like we should also also mention the uh, security teams that are working long weekends on, on <laughs> yes. Yeah, like this one, yeah. Speaking of, like, thankless, yeah, jobs, yeah. Um, anyone who had to work during the Log4J stuff last two years ago or three, um, or, yes. yeah, um, and just anyone who needs to have to be in that position where... You're, you're doing that type of work. Yeah, I agree. It's funny because like, you know, we'll always joke like amongst ourselves about like on 4th of July weekend or, you know, Thanksgiving weekend or something. We're like, well, what's going to break over the weekend? Like yeah. it <laughs> sort of matters to us, but not that, you know, we'll eventually get to it. But there are people that are working tomorrow that actually have to fix some thing that breaks, you know? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I feel like Thank that. you guys. Um, <laughs> All right. What else do you have, Lindsay? 
Um, I, I feel like I had a couple thankful for and then not thankful for things. Perfect. So, um, you know, if I, I can switch over to the not thankful for, unless you had any, any other thankfuls. I have one other, but it's kind of like, it's, it's very minor. Um, I'm thankful for the Netflix movie cyber bunker, which is one of the, like, it's the weirdest, one of the weirdest documentaries I've ever seen. When I saw it pop up on like my screen a few weeks ago, I wasn't positive that it wasn't a mockumentary at first. I was cause I, but once I sort of got into it, I was like, Oh man, I do remember hearing about this story a little bit at the time, but it's, it's just a wild, like, just go check it out. It's hard for me to even describe what it's about, but it's essentially like a group of people from Germany and the Netherlands and a bunch of other places that sort of form this collective. And I don't remember if they bought it or rented out this cold war bunker in this like picturesque German town on a river. That's absolutely beautiful. And then they were just like running a data center in there and a server farm and like, it, there were some dark web marketplaces that ended up using their services. So they ended up getting busted, but it there it's just this completely banana story of how this all came to be and like what came from it. And it was, it was a really fun, like hour and a half of watching this sort of like a lot of it's kind of slapstick. And like, these people were like, Oh, you know, like anarchists or like they formed their own state. Like they declared themselves a country essentially. And like, gave themselves like royal titles which was amazing um it was really funny if you need something to watch over the weekend i recommend that i feel like what other industry are i'm I'm actually shocked that there's not more documentaries and movies made about cybersecurity because completely agree just the characters like the things that happen like like we've got like RazzleCon, like we've got like <laughs> we've got yeah, like Cyberbunker, like a bunch of people like <laughs> you know, essentially it's- launching DDoS attacks against Spam House and like all this crazy yep. stuff. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's right. I forgot that part. That's exactly that's why most people will remember this story is yeah. the spam house piece of it. But um yeah, you're right. I I I'm amazed they got most of these people to even talk. I mean, I guess it's been long enough and they served whatever sentence they had, except for the one guy. But um, I think that's probably the hurdle for getting more of these done is people in our industry don't want to talk to anybody as, you know, that's a hurdle for us all the time. But um, it, this one was really delightful to me. Like it was just like, despite the crimes involved, it was just the goofiest like thing. And there's some real characters in the in the story too. I will definitely be recommending Cyber Bunker to my uh, family at Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> it's really funny because they have like even the the you know the names and identifiers they put on the screen. It's like whatever your name is, Duke of Cyber Bunker. I'm like, <laughs> it's like a bunch of kids that built a tree fort and are like. I'm the king of the tree fort <laughs> and you're the Duke. <laughs> Come on, man. I feel like that's like the polar opposite title of like thought leader or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Add yeah. on your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put Duke of Disciple. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh. All right. Um, so from that goofiness, what are some things we are not thankful for? Um, yeah. I feel like I'm going to have to go like... <laughs> way down for this but um hackers targeting hospitals i'm definitely not thankful for yeah Um, i mean this has been going on 
and it happened. It's it's still going on. There were a couple hospitals targeted, you know, this week on a regular basis, and it it was happening during COVID. So it's just like, come on, guys, like let's I know just not do this. Um, but I will say that I I have to pair that with a thankful um, side to it, which is that um, I do feel like there's a lot of people in our industry and that are really, really smart people and also have um, specialized kind of in the medical field or medical security devices or whatnot that are doing a lot of really good work, um, working with hospitals, working with healthcare providers to help them avoid these attacks. Um, so, you know, I know like Bo Woods or like Jeff Tully or people like that are doing a really, yeah. really great job. Um, and so in a lot of cases, it's volunteer work. I would say in almost all cases, it's yeah. volunteer work. Definitely. Yep. So, um, so I'm not thankful, but also thankful that we have kind of the defender side of things. (laughs) Yeah. There are like, for people who don't know, there's, there's several sort of coalitions of researchers and, and security professionals that do this kind of work, like essentially on a volunteer basis. Like Mm -hmm. it, it's sort of a lot of it developed during COVID, like you said, where, um, hospitals and other critical infrastructure were getting hit with ransomware and other attacks. And these folks just kind of came together and said, this is bullshit. We're not, we're not having this. Like, we're going to, we're going to help these people out. Like we have the skills, they need our help. We're going to help them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's not, it was nothing that was like required. People were like, we're just, we're doing my spare time, which is, you know, probably after hours. Like, yeah, it's amazing. I watch cyber bunker in my spare time and these guys are like (laughs) actually like doing work. (laughs) Craziness. Um, what aren't you thankful for? Well, I think this applies to both of us and it's, uh, it's not a new problem, but it's something that like seems to be getting worse by the day is like just the use of buzzwords and like nonsensical like terminology in our industry. Like, yeah. I mean, buzzwords have been a problem in security forever and ever and ever, but now like, yeah, the buzzword thing is just such a it's such a brutal problem in the security industry. I don't, there's no solution to it because it's, this is how marketing works, but and in order to get, get funding, you have to like say here, we're in this category and we are AI powered, you know, threat detection. Okay. Yeah. I feel like you have like the kind of standard ones that are super buzzy. Like, you know, you mentioned AI, but then like next gen zero trust, oh, yeah. like, but then you have like the off the rails one, like, um, like you know networking cyber protective cloak like things like that where these yes. pop up in my inbox and i'm like what like who approved I, that i feel like i'm relatively smart and i don't understand what any of those words have to do with each other yeah that's not yeah. a sentence yeah so but i will say like like, you know, th- I do think that people are becoming a little more accustomed or in tune that these are yeah. total BS. Some of these, like the unhackable stuff where, you know, that just had a ton of criticism over the past few years. And now if, if anyone says like, my product is unhackable on Twitter or X or whatever, like people will just jump on it and be like, nope. <laughs> like- oh, in like seven minutes or like, oh, really? Here's your database that I just found. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, that's not the word you ever want to say about your product. No, Um, but that's just a, I think it's just an artifact of like the technology industry in general. And like, as things evolve and you think you have a new product, you have to somehow come up with a new term to describe why it's different than the other box with lights on it that everybody already has. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. it's true. Um, but I don't know. I think at the end of the day, I just want to know like what the what the product does and yeah. if it works. <laughs> That's all I want to know. <laughs> I know there's so many of these things that I get a pitch for, and I'm like, oh, that, you know what? That does sound kind of interesting. And then you go to the site and you're like, I can't tell what this company does. Yeah. I don't have any idea. Yeah. I don't know. Do you sell a product? Is it software? Is it a? I don't know. It's completely opaque. It's a, it's a very simple question. Like, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> tell me what you do. Like, how do you get customers if you can't tell them what you're doing? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, you know. Yeah. Uh, but Craziness. that's how it goes. Um, anything else that we're not thankful for? Have we, I mean, we could, there's probably a long list, but yeah, no, I, I think that's most of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, I hope we put a little positivity out into the world, uh, as we go into Thanksgiving and, um, we hope you all have a great weekend and enjoy your holiday for those of you that are here in the U S where we have Thanksgiving. Otherwise we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We're very thankful for all our readers and our listeners and whatnot. So yes, we are. (laughs) Thank you all. We appreciate it. Thank you, Lindsay. Bye. See ya.